Welcome along to the Loftcast, which this week comes with a 1966-67 themed twist. On Tuesday night, 90 QBR supporters were at Loftus Road for a special Stars of 67 event as a legendary trio of Mark Lazarus, Roger Morgan and Ian Morgan joined us to look back on that famous day of March the 4th, 1967, when the 3rd Division R's came from two goals down to beat top flight West Bromwich Albion 3-2 at Wembley Stadium. Laughs, memories, anecdotes, the event had it all, so sit back, relax and enjoy as the Loftcast pays tribute to our heroes of 67, thanks to three of the stars who made it possible. Welcome to the Stars of 67 event, which is sponsored by Zoom Enterprises. Just a word on our sponsors, who we're grateful to. They were established in 2004 as primarily an IT solutions organisation. They quickly expanded. They now operate in four diverse global market sectors. Zoom Technology, Zoom Construction Solutions, Zoom Inc and Zoom Leisure. Their aim is simple, to provide their partners with first-class products and services at the best price and with operational excellence. Visit zoomenterprises.com for further information on them. They are big QPR fans as well, which helps. Okay, as we all know, Saturday marks 50 years to the day when we achieved the historic League Cup victory, winning 3-2 against West Bromwich Albion, coming back from 2-0 down. We're delighted to be joined by three members of that side this evening who helped shape the club's future. So let's start by welcoming. He came uh, through the ranks here and went on to make 190 appearances during a nine-year spell, scoring 28 goals. Put your hands together for Ian Morgan. Okay, and a man who made 206 appearances for us between 64 and 69, scoring 44 goals. We've already seen one of them on the screen this evening. Put your hands together for Roger Morgan. And finally, he played 235 times for us during three separate spells, scoring 84 goals, with one being arguably the most famous in our history. Along with Ian and Roger, his name will forever be etched into the fabric of our football club. Put your hands together for Mark Lazarus. Okay, as I was saying earlier on this evening, if you have got any questions at any point as we have a chat and reminisce about their achievement of 50 years ago, just raise your hands. We've got a roaming microphone and then you can ask the question. So we'll be doing that over the course of the evening. So it's a very informal chat at any point during the course of the evening. If you've got a question, a follow-up question, stick your hands up and this is your opportunity to ask those questions directly to the guys. Well, firstly, 50 years ago. Seems like yesterday. <laughs> Feels like yesterday. Never been so busy. <laughs> is it, what's, what's is it hard to believe how quickly it's passed and suddenly you guys are sat here reminiscing about it 50 years on? Yeah, I think, um, I think it goes with everybody. Time goes so quick. I mean, I'm, I'm that certain age now where 
you know, I'm thinking about 50 years ago. It's gone like that. It's uh, it's a bling of an eye. It's a and shock. It's a, it's a shock. I've yeah. got a daughter 55 years old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It only seems like yesterday that we've, she was a little girl. No. For, for the three of you, where does 67 and that achievement rank in your careers? Firstly with you, Mark. Oh, it's at the very top, isn't it? Got to be. I mean, to score the winning goal, even getting to Wembley uh, was an achievement. I mean, I don't think any of us ever thought that we'd be playing at Wembley and really and truly that was our goal of getting to Wembley. That was what said at half time when we was two naught down. Nobody was disappointed, nobody was being talked to or being rucked at. Our goal was getting to Wembley. And uh the conversation in the dressing room at half time was go out there and show them what you can do. Because we certainly didn't play our best in the first half. But then nerves nerves cottoned in with these youngsters, you know, walking out of Wembley in the cup final, you know, they had to be nervous. So they come out in the second half, and you all know the result of that. <laughs> and for you, Roger, where does it rank for you? Oh, it's top pinnacle of my career. Oh, uh, yes, it was the top pinnacle of my career. Um, it was fantastic. I, I think uh, you don't realise that... Uh, um, how important it is to go out in the second half. We just, because we were playing week after week and we were doing so well and we were young kids, we were just playing football, the game that we loved. And to play at Wembley was uh, the pinnacle of your career. And then to go out at half-time, we just carried on, kept playing, everyone fought for it, and the results were there. And for you, Ian? In my room, in, in our bedroom, Roger and I had uh, pictures of uh, our favourite footballers and we had them all on the wall and Roger and I used to say, one day we'll be up there and we'll be famous and we may be playing at Wembley. All right, I, I was part of the team. I enjoyed every moment sitting next to Alex Stock and waiting, hoping that things might change, but they didn't because we won. So it was a pleasure to be involved with the club. Back at that time, obviously, on that occasion, you were the, the substitute. substitute and yeah. it, it wasn't, there were no changes, there were no tactical no. changes allowed. It was purely if there was an injury, sure. then you were on. Sure. It would be perfectly acceptable now, Ian, mm -hmm. to tell us, was there any point you thought, someone, <laughs> go down, <laughs> go down. <laughs> I'll, I'll shout it, no. <laughs> <laughs> no Without telling lies, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's when you're watching a game that you're so wrapped up in, you want to be part of it. And I wanted to be part of it, but I was part of it, but I wasn't on the field as part of it. I was sitting kicking every ball. On the on the touchline and waiting, f maybe that some would get hurt, and <laughs> and I would say, shame. 
<laughs> you weren't trying to encourage Alec. Alec, Roger, no. Roger's got a knock yeah. there. Is he carrying yeah. an ankle? It wouldn't have <laughs> been Roger. It would have been me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's, let's go back then. It, it started very comfortably. You go back to the, the start of that run. It was against Colchester, who were in the third, third tier like ourselves, and we beat them 5-0. Rodney Marsh got four, and Mark, you got the other. What are your memories like of that game? Because sadly, <laughs> there's, there's no video evidence of it. I can remember the cup final. I can remember the, I can remember the, I can remember the game against Leicester, and I can remember the game against possibly a little bit about Carlisle, but the, the main one I can remember about is Birmingham. Uh, and uh, before then, Aldershot. Yeah. I mean, I didn't. I didn't even realise we played Colchester in the first round. <laughs> I, I can't remember playing them. Uh, but then we, then we, then we went to Aldershot. I think and we were very lucky to get a draw at Aldershot. But I can't remember the games. The only three games that I can remember in detail really was the cup final, Birmingham and Leicester. I think Alex Stock never, it, it, was, it was so funny because when I went to Tottenham, I had tactics thrown at me all the time. And Andy knows what, how different it is going to a, a, a top pro club uh, in, you know, from the first division. And they used to say, you've got to do got to do that um, and I said well at QPR they just Alex Stock said go out and enjoy it take on the fullback get your cross in near the far post and that's what it was and but then at Tottenham I want you to do this I want you to do that and you think am I a winger or am I playing anywhere in their side and it was because it was so different um, I helped Jimmy Langley because Jimmy Langley used to shake hands with everyone he kicked on the floor. <laughs> and, and then go and pick them up. And the time he picked them up, they nearly scored at the other end. But, and that was Jim. But it, it, it was Gentleman Jim. It, absolutely. He was a fantastic man. He was an up and down player. Went from one end of the pitch to the other end of the pitch. Um, but he was... Um, he, uh, he, he relied on other people. And those people... Okay, we'll have a look at that microphone in a moment. If, Ian, if I just pass to you then yep. as well. Mark saying the earlier games is more difficult to remember. What do you remember about those, those earlier matches? Like we say, the comfortable win against Colchester, and then, again, I wouldn't worry, the water's gone absolutely Sorry. everywhere. I wouldn't worry about that. No one's noticed. <laughs> but but those, those, earlier, those earlier rounds comfortably beating Colchester and then playing Aldershot who were in the fourth tier when we were in the third and people I would imagine assumed that was going to be an easier one I think it was a last minute equaliser from Les Allen that got us the replay uh, when you play teams that are you expect to win. People do expect you, oh, it's easy for you. But it's not. It's, it's the cup. Mm. Things happen in the cup that you don't appreciate and people don't appreciate. And players want to be in a cup final. That's it. But the underdogs have always got a chance. Have always got a chance because the bigger, bigger clubs seem to take it easy, maybe. We didn't. We never took it easy here. Yeah, but can you remember the game against 
uh, yeah, yeah, Colchester. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what Paul's asking. I know, yeah. I know. Yeah. But, yeah. I, I'm just coming I mean, to that. We, we won 5 0, and I can't remember the game. Yeah. That's quite worrying, isn't it, really? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> what do you remember about the game? Not a lot. <laughs> We only remember the important games, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we'll move on then. Third round. <laughs> we're moving up. We're, we're, yeah, we're getting closer. Third round, we beat Swansea Town 2-1. Tony Hazel and Mike Keane on target in that one. Any Tony recollection? Hazel. Tony Hazel. Any um, recollections um, from those ga that game? And Mike Swansea? Keane. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you've got um, some good well, memories of the final, we, you we, yeah. Why I'm, why, I'm asking, why I'm asking the question is because we had, us in the forward line, had scored more goals than any other team in the league. And when you brought up that Tony Hazel, right fullback, Mike King, right off, yeah. scored two goals, uh, mm. I'm wondering where our forwards were. <laughs> <laughs> That might be why you've chosen not to remember. <laughs> More than likely. Leicester game, you, you're saying you're, you do remember the Leicester game. Leicester were a top flight side. I was in, in the third division. And I think that's when everyone thought, well, OK, this will possibly where the, the journey ends. Is that for you, really, where the journey began? Because we won 4-2 yeah. in that game. 4-2, 4-2. Yeah, we were winning at half-time, 2-1 down. Here we go. Here we go. Yeah. So, so let's go with that. Against Leicester, like I say, expected to lose, really. Is that where Alex Stock really started to, to get you guys going and, and almost focus on that? Because you're doing so well in the league. There's that whole talk of a distraction these days. I don't think he... Okay, Roger. So, what was Alex Stock like from your point of view for that? I, I think he he trusted us. He, I mean, he spoke to us. Like, he was a man manager. Uh, uh, went to us and said, "You know what you've got to do." And you and us as players, and we were young players. Remember, we were young kids coming up from the um, juniors and going into the first team. And to be into the first team was. Absolutely fantastic. Um, it, money was nothing to do with it. It was playing football that you wanted to play. And whoever you played, it doesn't matter who it was, if you played Manchester United or uh, whoever it was, you know, you played to your best ability. If you got beat, you got beat. Mm. If you, if you, when you were played, and we were so lucky that, well, not lucky, that we were that good, we kept winning. And when you're winning, a winning side is exactly what you want because everybody in the team works for each other mm. and as a team we we just uh, you know we could i think at that particular time we could have roller coastered anybody we were we were that good you know and, and, and there was no disappointment at half time we didn't go in shat you know oh, i'm so disappointed we're at wembley we never thought we would be at wembley and while while we while we're here let's make a go of it mm. And, and we, in the second half, we did, and that was the, that was the game. The game was so um, important to other people, but to the players, it was just us 
wanting to play the game mm. and naturally win. Um, but we all, all of us as a group, played our part in the game. Yeah. And it made a big difference. And w w I, I, I honestly think that that's when Les Allen came into his own in that yeah. game. Because he, he scored our equalising game uh, goal against Gordon Banks from way outside the penalty area and he chipped him and it hit the crossbar and it came down and hit Gordon Banks on his back and went in. Uh, it was really an own goal, but you couldn't count it as an own goal, but Les, Les won that game for us. How key was he in that run? Oh, he was immense. Like everyone, everybody, every, what Rogers just said is everybody played a part in that game. And as regarding your other question about being underdogs, we didn't think we were underdogs anywhere. That team, I personally think, was the best team I've played with. And I've played with some good teams. I've played, I've played for Wolverhampton Wanderers in the reserves, and I was the only non-cap player in the team. And their first team read like uh, an England sheet. Yeah. Uh, that wouldn't have beaten us. They wouldn't have beaten in In our minds, I think, as Roger was saying, we could beat anybody in our own personal minds. And I think if you get that in your, into your brain, I think you go out and... Now, and then again, you know, we didn't have anybody saying, like, rucking us or having a go at us at half-time when we was getting beat. People were enjoying it. People... I mean, I played at this club when there's 4,000 people watching. During that run, there was 18s and 22,000. We were the only side to watch in that period. You come to Loftus Road and you were bound to see a good game of football four or five goals a game. Uh, and to be quoted as like on a third division side, we were better than that. We were the best third <coughs> division side that league's ever seen. Think, I think also that lots of, the, lots of people can't, don't, don't remember that we had so many experienced older players and we had so many youngsters that never give up. The older players started to really think we can help these youngsters and they helped us so much that we gelled so well as a team and we had 16 players, 17 players as a team and you could put anyone in the team, they would do well because the youngsters love playing with the older experienced players, they helped you, the old experienced players. We as youngsters were loving it. Just loving playing. Did it make a difference that so many of that team had come through the ranks at QPR? Oh, yeah. I mean, we played at the South East Counties League. You know, we played against Chelsea and they had Peter Osgood, Johnny Hollins, John Boyle, Peter Hausman, Jimmy uh, McAlliog. In, in the, in the, when, the, when we played South East Counties football. And we were the best team every time that we played Chelsea. Because we were so good, so young, so good. And we had no fear. You know, I say about younger people, they have no fear. They don't have any fear at all. You just do it and you enjoy it. And we never had defeat, never thought about defeat. How did Alex Stock keep the pressure off as the cut run was progressing 
to maintain that no fear and to maintain that just go out and enjoy it? I don't think he had to do anything, to be honest. Each game um, came along and whether it was a cup game or, I'm not saying a friendly, but if it was a league game or something like that, we just played it. Um, you know, there was... I think there's tremendous pressure on football nowadays because they put so much the, we, with the media and everything they're telling about the semi-final and this and how they're going to play and mm. they don't like the manager, the manager's this and the manager's that. I mean, Alex Stott was, he was just a calm man. Uh, just, you know, we're play, we're, whoever we're playing on the Saturday, we played them. And there was no, we didn't get, as Mark said, we didn't get rollickings, nothing like that. It was... Just support from everybody, the senior, the senior players. Mark was a senior player because he's a lot older than me. And, <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but there was, there was Mark and there was Les and there was Jimmy Langley. You know, they were senior players, Mickey Keane. They were senior players. And we had youngsters. Frank Sibley was the youngest player to play in the first team, and 15. And I think Ian and I were 16 or 17 to play in the first team. You wouldn't now get a 17-year-old or, or a 21-year-old or 20-year-old playing in the first team regularly mm. nowadays. But at 16, 17, we built up a, a, a lot of games inside us that made us very confident. And we were super confident with the help from the experienced players. And that gelled in going through the divisions. You know, I know we got relegated from the first division um, but you know nevertheless we you know we went that way we went up to start with experience. and the experience you know and oh we had young, young kids that had a, um, a lot of games under their belt that uh, were actually really um, you know cementing a team together with the help from the the older players and th those young kids with, with the help from the more senior players overcame Carlisle, got into the semi-final, the two legs. The first leg was at Birmingham, 1-0 down at half-time. Alex Stock obviously worked his, his magic at half-time, did he, to win 4-1 that first leg? Yeah, I just want to come back a little bit on, on what Roger was talking about. There's, although he's saying that the older players helped him a lot, I don't think I've ever said anything to Roger on how to play or what to do and what not to do. He, he, he was in the side for his own ability and what he had produced on the field kept him in the side. It wasn't anything to do with Jimmy Langley saying to him, well, you should have done it, or you've got to do this or you've got to do that. It wasn't up to me to say to Frank Sibley, don't do that or Ronnie Hunt, be there. There was no, so everybody in that team was in that team from their own ability. And that is what I think Alex Stock wanted. He didn't have any clue about playing football. What he, used to, what he used to say is, just go out there and enjoy yourself. I mean, who in their right mind would sign Rodney Marsh? <laughs> at the time. I mean, he was, he was a playboy at, at Fulham. Uh, they, used to, they used to, I mean, treated Vic Buckingham, who was manager at the time, got rid of Rodney Marsh because he ran the length of the field with the ball on his knees. And he, he said, I don't want that sort of character. He was a clown. Mm. And for him to come over from Fulham to us, 
<laughs> uh, no, just a minute. I, I, I think Rodney Marsh is the best player I've ever played with. Without a doubt. And, and I said so openly. Um, but when he came to QPR, I think Alex Stock said to him, don't want you doing this, don't want you doing that. You just play your game. And exactly what he said to me. The first things Alex Stock ever said to me was, the first ball you get, take your fall back on. If you beat him, you'll beat him all day long. If you don't beat him, then look for alternatives. And that's how Alex saw the game. You know, it was, no, it was nothing to do with uh, elder, the elder statesmen in the side telling these youngsters how to play. They were there on their own ability. Make no doubt about that. We also looked up to, I mean, we looked up to you. Oh, sure. You know, and we ha had... <laughs> sure, sure enough. And, and me nothing. in particular with you, I'm afraid, I, I think. Aren't I? Pardon? Me in particular with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. No, you, no, I'm being serious now. You was always an admirer of me, wasn't I you? Was, I was. I've always had been. I have been. I have been. Apart from the fact that he always wanted to see me get injured yeah. so he could get on the side. In actual fact, we had, we had a great relationship, Mark. Yes. And I, fantastic. Yes. And, you know, whoever was playing, it was just, it, it happened and it happened and you just get on with it. So, you know. Was there no animosity? Because, no, no, like you never. Said, one of you no, not at all. Not at all. We were a t we were a family. This is a family club. Yeah, and Alec inspired that. Yeah, he did. Alec he, inspired yeah. that. Quite true. He he inspired it. He made all of us realise that a family works together, and you help each other. Yes, and, and that's yeah. what we did. And that's what he was like. You know, he wasn't a uh, he wasn't a manager. To manage you playing football. I mean, Alec would come up to you and say hello to you. How's things getting on at home? Outside of football, outside his managerial status, he would ask how he was getting on privately. Mm. And if he could help in any way, if he was having any problems. You know, I mean, that's what... Was that Alex part Stop of his was. brilliance? I think so. I think, yeah, I would say. Yeah. I think so. He came to my wedding, I bamboozled him to come to my wedding, and he brought me a nice kettle. <laughs> Just what I wanted. <laughs> but a blue one, blue and white. <laughs> but it, it was, that was the type of man he was. He was a lovely man. My parents, um, you know, they spoke to him. There's not many managers would speak to um, parents of players, yeah. and it, it was encouraging from getting, you know, applause from uh, a manager, what your son has done, mm. and, you know, it was, it was nice, and it was, an, it was a happy camp, it was, the whole place was a happy camp, with all the training and the different people, I've always um, looked at it, it's a bit like Manchester United, with the, you had Giggs, um, Beckham, uh, the two Nevilles, skulls. the Skulls, and, but they all played together as a junior side and they cemented themselves into the first team. And we did exactly the same as youngsters. 
we cemented ourselves into the first team with existing players and it all gelled together and it was fantastic. So how did Alex Stock deal with challenges, if you like? like obviously, Rodney Marsh, perhaps at times he might have been a challenge. Or Let him get on with it. <laughs> that, that's how he, <laughs> he managed it. Yes, him. he did. He said, yeah, you play. You go, I could say, to, we, we went to at home, Rodney was out of this world. He was unbelievable. He beat the same guy four times. When he could have only beaten him, he only had to beat him once. <laughs> but he was a showman. As Mark said, he was a showman. And he was a fantastic player with fantastic skills. Um, sometimes when you go to an away game, when it's a little bit wet and a bit of snow on the ground, well, you say, wonder if Rodney's coming today. Mm. <laughs> you know? But that was Rodney. You, mm. you take it as, it as it comes. And he would give it. He gave 100%. You know, he was that type of player. He, he, was, he, just show, he, he was a showman. He showed it off to the crowd. He loved it. He you only, loved you it. only needed Rodney to do something during yeah. the game. And that was good enough. You know, it, you, he might not be doing it. Something like Jimmy Greaves. You know, you wouldn't see Jimmy Greaves for... Oh, and then he'd walk off the pitch scoring three goals. Mm. And it's, Rodney was exactly the same thing. He was a pleasure to play with. But if, if, if he wasn't getting a kick or something like that, it's like you see him at Wembley. I mean, first off, he was diabolical. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying we were much better, but in the first half, he was diabolical. In the second half, you see what he'd done. Two minutes in that second half, he beat two people, slot it in the back of the net, make it 2-2. Two -two. And that was Rodney all over. We'll talk about that, that final in a moment. If we go back to the, the semi-final, the 4-1 win in the first leg, going to Loftus Road for the second leg, was there a feeling of, we're, we've, we've got one foot at Wembley? Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're Listen. No. We were beaten by better sides than Birmingham at Loftus Road. We weren't... I mean... Uh, it was just absolute confidence. Four, one out of, playing at home, there was no way. We were going at Wembley. <laughs> We'd already booked. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Do you, no do you remember, Ian, do you remember the feeling in the camp going into that, that second leg at Wembley? Because from the stories that you read and stories that have come out this week as well, it seemed it was a, a celebration from the, before the game began from QPR fans who went to the game and their memories were it was already a celebration because we were going to Wembley. So I think QPR yeah. fans were certainly with, with Mark on that. Oh, the, yeah. The game was done. yeah. They must have felt so confident because we were playing well. I mean, as Mark said, we could beat anybody and it didn't matter whether, which division they were playing in, we could beat them. And the confidence was growing all the time, especially through the cup matches and the league matches, and then you started to think that nobody would beat you, and we would definitely win. And you go in with that confidence, and that's what, you know, happened. Yeah, and also, <laughs> also we, we were behind at half-time on a couple of occasions where, uh, well, according to you, I mean, Les scored the goal at Aldershot, in the last minute, so we must have been behind then. Uh, and we we just didn't care. You know, we didn't, just didn't care about going in at half-time, being down. 
you know, we were a second half team, really, if you want to think about it. <laughs> if, if you look through, if you look through the, lots of the games that we played during the, 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 the season, we, there was never a fear that we would lose a game. Never a fear by anybody. And we just got on with it. And I think the results started to show and, and that's why we were so successful. Between the semi-final and the final, obviously a third division team playing at Wembley in the final of the League Cup, there must have been, you'd have thought, a, a temptation to perhaps make sure I'm fit for the final. There were three games in the league. You won two and drew the other. So, obviously going very well in the league. Mm. I'm guessing Alex Stock didn't allow that to creep in no. either. There was no focusing on anything apart from the next game because you had the league campaign to concentrate on as well. I think he just let, he just let us play. I mean, he knew what, what, what was ahead of here. And he knew that, you know, there's the games... Go out there and play. I mean, let, let's be honest. We've only got uh, uh, players nowadays. There's, uh, when we were playing, there was 13 first-team players, six or seven reserve-team players, whereas now you've got 30 first-team mm. players, 30 reserves, under-21s, under-19s, and what have you. And they're rested for the cup. Yeah, that's, that's it. And, and, and we were always going to play. Everyone was mm. playing. There was not a selection, oh, I won't play that player because of the cup match or whatever. The, the same players went out. Whether they, I mean, the, the medical team here, well, the, the people did bandages. <laughs> but, you know, wouldn't they? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's my left leg. That's my right leg. It's my left leg at home. Hot poultice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it was, it was very, it's very different. Uh, oh, I could tell you some stories at Tottenham, what some of the injuries that some of the players had. and Oh, dear. But, uh, um, but it, it was, they were so confident with you, mm. and you just went out. Um, we had rituals. All, each player had a ritual before they went out on the field, and they, I'm sure they do it now, exactly the same now. Um, and, but you, you tied your tape and you tied bandages and whatever you what you required you know it wasn't done by medical staff it was mm. done by yourself because that's what you wanted and not very often did you get injured i mean i did a, i had pulled a cartilage uh, i had to have a cartilage operation uh, play, i think we played ipswich and, and i had to have a cartilage operation and i and i got carried off by a supporter you know, I mean, uh, no, no, come out with a stretcher, nothing like that. No, a supporter come out and he grabbed hold of me and carried me off. So it, it was, it's, it's different. It was so different. But uh, it was, it was a way, and the, the, the process of um, getting you fit again um, now, it takes keyhole, keyhole surgery. Mm -hmm. I don't know, seven days or whatever it is, you can start again training. In our days, two weeks in hospital, then you've got a recovery of this and that. So, but no one was injured. Mm. No one was really badly injured. Which is surprising when you see the footage of certain oh, tackles. Oh, yeah, where the feet were going, I know, all over the place, <laughs> wasn't it? And the pitches. Yeah. I remember, you know, you, and you used to, at Lake Norian, when we played at Lake Norian, on one side of the field, when I was on the left wing, I had to wear studs. And in the second half, I had to wear flats on the right-hand side because it's so hard to pitch. Because, you know, with a stand being there and the light, you know, right. all things like that. Yeah. But it's different nowadays. Yeah, you went, 
you went to the baseball ground to play derby and you, you walked onto the pitch and you sank six inches. Uh, and the same thing happened at uh, Sheffield United. You know, there's so many bad grounds out there that uh, you could count on one hand how many clubs had turf on the pitch. One was Ipswich, one was Lincoln City. Uh, I can't remember any anymore. But you went out and most of Bristol City was a bad game. You know, pitch to walk onto. You know, you literally sank in the... And uh, Bolton, Fratton Park, they were all, they were all water, you know, muddy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you said it, but said, yeah. we, I we're heard not it, allowed to say that. We're <laughs> <laughs> oh, but you know, I mean, what Roger was saying a bit earlier on, I don't think any of us walked onto the pitch at any start of the game or any game that we didn't want to do our best at. So there's no pulling out of tackles. There's no, like, not going for that ball because it was a 50-50 ball or anything like that just because we wanted to play at Wembley. It was, that didn't even come into your head. It doesn't come into your head. You, you're out there to try and do your best and win a game of football. So, um, you know, there was no thought about, oh, I don't want to get injured yeah. or, to, because I'm playing at Wembley in the following couple of weeks. Mm. The, the final was on the Saturday. You played on the, the Tuesday night. You played away a to Swansea Town. Yes. 1-3-1. Remember? I scored the hat-trick, didn't I? You did score the hat-trick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, know, well, I know that because I was told earlier on. <laughs> I know that because I was told earlier on. <laughs> and what is more to the fact, I think I scored all three goals on the head. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> I think I scored all three goals in my head. <laughs> I can't remember, no. <laughs> yeah. What, what, what do the three of you remember then about the actual days leading up to the final? Was it, it must have been different. I mean, you're preparing to play at Wembley in front of more than 90,000 people. Oh, it was exciting. It was exciting coming in training. It's exciting to know that you're going to go to Wembley. It was exciting that fans were thrilled because a third division club which everybody knew were a good side had got something mm. back and they were got to go to Wembley and as a player as or as players we just loved every minute of it well, I did I just you know best thing in my life crikey you know was there a feeling of, we've got nothing to lose here, the pressure's all yeah. on West Brom, let's just enjoy the exactly, week? Exactly, yeah. I mean, knowing, that, knowing how well we were playing, I mean, knowing how well we were playing, there was a, bit of, there was a confidence uh, push as well, because we knew how good we were. And people looked at a third division side and said, they've got no chance. You know, they've got no chance, they're a third division side. But that's, that's just ridiculous, because we were so, so good and we played so well against top opposition. And uh, we never let it go. And it, it, we knew that we could keep it going all the, all the way through. And you get to the final and you're not going to spoil it then. Not going to let it go. I think that was, a, that was the point where we, we got to Wembley and the first half we didn't play our best. I mean, any supporters here that was at that game would agree that we didn't play our best in the first half at Wembley. Why was that? I, I put it down to... Unfortunately, um, I'll put it down to nerves. Um, 
playing a first division side, a good first division side, at Wembley, uh, I could put it down to a lot of things. It, it was um, obviously a young team as well. Yes, it was, was very young. Was that a factor? Very young. I mean, you were, we had people like Les Allen and Jimmy Lane in particular that were trying to calm people down. I mean, even I was excited. I mean, uh, you know, you, you just don't go into a, f uh, a football match without getting butterflies or, you know, it's like any, any stage performer, any, any entertainer, it, before he goes on the stage or whatever he's doing in that capacity, uh, must get butterflies. If you ain't nervous, then there's something wrong with you. So you've, you've got to have that. And I think that, putting that down to, uh, I mean, I was nervous. So I, I didn't have a very, very good first half at all. Uh, couldn't get the ball. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> but, uh, and, I, and I wasn't tackling back either because Clive Clark was giving poor old Tony Hazel the run around. But I, I wasn't a good defender, so it wasn't worth me getting back there. So, uh, but no, I think nerves did creep in, in in the first half. And we didn't play our best at all. And uh, I think they deservedly went to naught up. Uh, deserved. I, th I think when we walked out to start, when we arrived at um, Wembley, we walked out onto the pitch. And you would have thought it was like a basketball team coming out there and just, a, a, you know, having a run around and look at that. Because you look at the people, you, all the players now are so serious when they go out onto, the, onto a Wembley pitch and looking at it and see if it's all right and everything all right. Have I got the right boots and things like that? It was, we were playing football in Wembley. Didn't make any difference. It's just another football ground that we were going to enjoy. Uh, and that's what we did. So... When you've gone 2-0 down and you're going off at half-time, mm. at that stage are you thinking, we've done brilliantly to get to the final, we've exceeded mm. all expectations, but we've, we've blown it a little bit? I, th I think, you know, Alec turned around to us and said, look, you know, don't lose your confidence. You know, you're confident enough, you've been all confident all the year. Just go out there and enjoy it, but come on, let's play. Mm. And, and really go out and play. You know, we were, all right, we, as Mark said, I think we were nervous. Um, it was a daunting task, you know, going at Wembley and all the 100,000 people there. Um, so it's something none of us have experienced before. Mm. But nevertheless, go out there, do what you, you should be doing, which is enjoying, playing well, and enjoying it. And that's what we did. And get the result. Fortunately. Uh, fortunately, Roger scored the first goal. And I think from that moment on, I mean, I don't know how he scored the first goal, to tell the truth. I mean, he's a very, very Shut brave up, boy. Uh, <laughs> but the, 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 I got fouled on the right-hand side by Williams. And Les Allen took the free kick. And all the next minute I know is the ball's in the back of the net. And this guy... Post, far post. He's, this guy's... Nut it in the back of the net, and I think from that moment on, that's what lifted us. Mm. That's what gave us the uh, incentive. the the incentive that we yes, right, let's have a let's have a go at these people. And Roger, at that point, suddenly it was 
game on again. Looking at your celebrations, you they seemed a little bit muted. It was a was it a case of we've still got a lot to do? I think you know you score in a cup final. Yes, the goal is you know obviously good from your perspective for the from the the, the club's perspective and the players that are on the field. They're going to hopefully give more to the game because mm. we're back in it. And when you're back in it, you, th you believe you can win it. And, um, you know, two goal down, first of all, um, then it's 2-1. And then often, you know, a, a, a side will equalise again and make it 2-all. Mm. And then, it, you, then you're battling for a 3-2 win, uh, which we did. And it was, I think it was so... Um, it was difficult from uh, the younger players to calm down because they're, they're, they're buzzing now. Mm -hmm. We're all buzzing. We, you know, this is it. Come on, we're going to win now. We've got to win. But we still had to play the game and play it to the way um, that we wanted to play, um, which was doing the same thing. Mark, Mark was beat his fullback, get the crosses in. Uh, me, beat the fullback or cut inside and do this. It's the same things we were religiously did week after week. And, you know, Rodney with his, you know, only nimical way, you know, dribbling, doing this, and, and that's what happens. The, did that sum up what Rodney was capable of? Like you were saying earlier, perhaps sometimes yeah, yes. he'd go missing and then yes. he'd produce yeah, yeah. that. Absolutely. Brilliant. He, he, Absolutely. Did, he didn't play well in the first half, you were saying earlier, but... None then of us played well in the first half. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And yeah. then Rodney does that. What are your memories of that? Obviously, you had a great view. Well, I, 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 I watched it on television, naturally. <laughs> a lot. I mean, I, I can take you through my goal, ball by ball. But um, I, I, un I, understa I understand that uh, Mike Keane got the ball in midfield and played a pass up to Rodney, who was looking, in his own words, he was looking for someone to pass it to, but he couldn't find no one. Roger was hiding, you see. <laughs> So he couldn't pass it to anybody. So he, he took it on himself, as he does, to beat these people. I don't know how many people he beat. But he hit a left foot, and I think it was his left foot. He hit a left footed shot at goal from about the penalty area, random. And it hit the post and went in. But that is what you got from Rodney. You know, it's as I say, it's a, it, it was... A, a magical player, and uh, he done what he wanted to do. You know, there was no, oh, Rodney, I want you to pass it there, I want you to push it through here. He, he didn't like, change his game, did he? No. He, he got, he, when he got the ball, he done what he wanted, and uh, exactly what um, Alex Stock wanted him to do. That's what he bought him for, his trickery and, and, his, and his few moments during the game where he could change the game for you. And Ian, at that point, when it went to 2-2, two, two, was that a feeling then throughout the team that, OK, this is ours to win? I, I, I mean, I'm sitting on the... Thank you very much. I'm sitting on the side, and I'm, I'm absolutely glued to it because I know that we've got a chance here because I can see by how the players are. And I knew that we had it in us because as soon as the... As <laughs> soon as the um, uh, started, when it was 2-all, I knew we would win 3-2. I knew it. 
because I, I knew the players. I knew that every one of them was up for it. And that they, they di didn't want to lose and they wouldn't lose. They would not lose. And, and it was just, I'm sitting there and I, I'm kicking every ball and going with, it, going with every run. It was fantastic sitting on the line watching. But uh, it was one of those things that you enjoy in a different way. I, people said, you must have been disappointed. No, I was, yeah, I was disappointed, but I'm, I'm part of the team. So I still take everything that they, they did. And, and we, as a team through the season, we played well. As a team through the season, we all played well. That included the Cup. So that was great. And with nine minutes ago, just as a show of hands in the room, how many people were at the final? A few, quite a few. That is quite a lot. Bloody. You don't look that old. <laughs> <laughs> now we can't see them. We can't see them. So a, a, a large proportion, you have to say, of the people here were there 50 years ago for the goal that won us the, the League Cup. Talk us through it. Nine minutes to go. Nine, <laughs> nine minutes to go. 2-2. Two, two. As Roger and Ian were saying, we were up for winning it. And I can remember the crowd um, willing us on. You know, I'm one of them sort of players. I listen to the crowds. Uh, and Ronnie Hunt, of all people, had the ball in midfield. And I'd came inside, I came inside at... Uh, just around about a centre circle and he played it to me and carried on running that's the that gives you an idea of how much confidence mm. I mean we had a centre half who never moved out the penalty area <laughs> at Wembley in a cup final drawing 2-2 two -two, and he's running through the middle and he played a 1-2 with me and the, it was a bit short where I was concerned the ball was a bit short and I met the ball with the outside of my right foot, which spun it. And the ball went up in the air, and it looked like a rugby ball in the air. And when it came down, Ronnie was still running. And it beat uh, one of the West Bromwich Albion players on the spin. Mm. And it went through to the goalkeeper, and Ronnie was carrying on running. And I, I, I personally think he was quite entitled to go for it. I mean, other people say it wouldn't have, wouldn't have uh, happened today. I for, think it for would. the foul on the West Brom keeper. Yes, yeah. I think it would have done. But the spin of the ball went into the um, goalkeeper. Ronnie challenged it, and it came out. And I sort of followed on from, and the ball happened to be there, and I just put it away with my left foot. So. No, I was very good left foot. <laughs> <laughs> my left foot was better than my right. No, I can't. I can't understand you saying that. I scored. I scored loads and loads of goals with my left foot. I was good with my left foot as well as with my right. Even better, I thought. It must have been. A, I mean, it's only a, a split second in history. But that moment, the ball drops you. The keeper's down, rolling it into the net. The QPR fans. Behind that goal, they saw all five oh. goals. West Brom had a nightmare. Yes. They lost 3-2, and they're at the wrong yeah. end for all five goals. QBR fans behind the goal, they see you roll it into the net. That yeah. moment must last with you forever. Well, it does. 
you can't you can't get away from it. It's the it's the greatest feeling you can ever wish to have. I mean, I wouldn't be here tonight if if it hadn't happened to me. Um, after the goal, you could hear the supporters shouting or chanting. I don't know if any of you were there when. Could you hear them asking for four? We want four. We want four. They were used to us scoring that amount of goals. And it was going around the And what, the what did that do for you on the pitch? Because obviously you're trying to see the game out. You've got the lead. QPR fans are chanting, we want four. That must have given you even greater oh, confidence. Right. We, were, we were on cloud nine. Uh, well, I was anyway. I, I remember shortly after that, after scoring that goal, I got a ball on the halfway line and I went past two or three players and hit the post with a right-footed shot. So, uh, in iron sight, if you like, I'm not bumming myself up here, but I could have had three goals that day. I had a volley cleared off the line in the, first, in the second half and I, had, I hit the post with a part from the goal that I scored. Um, yeah, you know, the crowd, the, the crowd lifted. The cl when they talk about crowds being another player mm. on the field, that wasn't wrong with us. We had a marvellous support. Uh, as I said earlier on, we were the only team to watch. We had, we had people coming from all over London watching us. We were going to restaurants, like chairman would take us out to restaurants, and ordinary people wanted to have photographs taken with us. You know, I mean, it was a great time, lovely time. Even after the, the cup final, uh, we done ever so well in the second division, didn't we? You know, we had a good. Uh, I think the, the the platform was made for us at the cup final, and then the players felt that we, we can take it even, on even further. And it went on forever. It seemed to go on forever. And mm. the training was phenomenal when you, when you, <laughs> when you go in in the morning. Mark, Mark's laughing. I know why he's laughing. I'm not yeah. going to say why, Mike. <laughs> no, but... Well, it, 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 we, well, did, we, we didn't train, did we? No, no. Just tell him. <laughs> well, uh, when I was at Brentford and uh, I was coming back to QPR, and I, I got in... Love to throw the other end um, at ten o'clock in the morning uh, because normally at the clubs that I've been to start training at ten o'clock in the morning and they finish at about twelve and then you you go home. Uh, but I got into the ground at ten o'clock in the morning and there was no one there, so I'm looking around me and I see Alex Farmer. I said, what's happened, Alec? He said, well, he said, they don't get in till about half past 10, 11 o'clock. I said, well, what do you mean they don't get in? So anyway, in they come bowling in, got, hold of, got changed, got hold of a ball. No one was there to tell you, you know, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, exercise here, exercise that, skipping rope there, up and down the stairs, or any organisation whatsoever. They just got hold of a ball and went outside and played the five-a-side game. Won the League we Cup and got back-to-back -back promotions. Yes, yes, exactly. When, when halfway through that second season, or that's, I mean, I was there for when we just come third in the league. Do you remember the time when we beat Millwall down here? 
Yeah, and, and Mill got promotion, but we went so many games without getting beat. I think it was Ronnie Hunt and myself. I came back from Brentford. Ronnie Hunt made his debut in the first team. Uh, I think we went to Wokington, yeah, uh, Woking, yeah. Wokington, yeah. and we beat them 4-0 or something up there. And we never, we never lost another game that season. So uh, when, we, when we came in just before that, what I was talking about, Bill Dodging came in halfway through the second season and he watched us play at Gillingham. Yeah? And on the Monday, we beat Gillingham 2-0, something like that. Uh, and on the Monday, he came in, and we was all sitting in the dressing room waiting to meet Bill Dodging, our new coach. And he said to us, uh, well, what do you normally do? <laughs> and we looked at him as if to say, well, <laughs> you're the coach. <laughs> what do we do? He said, well, what do you normally do? I said, well, we normally play five-a-side game outside. <laughs> So he said, well, I'm not going to change nothing. Carry on doing what you've been doing. <laughs> and uh, that is really, that was the situation. We didn't train. Don't, don't, change. don't change anything that you, when you're doing really well. Yeah, keep it, it going. Mm. And that's uh, what it was. Well, I think that's a good idea, personally. I mean, I wasn't the best trainer in the world. But uh, <laughs> at the same time, I think... People like Mike Keane, like these two twins, uh, these two here, if they wanted to do the hard work, you know, playing football to me was the best thing. If you had a ball at your feet, that was the best training you could get. But if you wanted to do your, your laps and your step-ups and your doggies, uh, you could. And Mike Keane used to do that. Mike Keane would play his five-a-side join him with everybody, then he'd go off on his own and do his own little thing, which he thought he needed. And if these chaps wanted to do what they want to, go and do it. I don't think they should have anybody there telling them, you know, I want you to do the 50 dog outs and, and climb stairs at the... I don't, I don't think they need that. that. That team was evidently in the wrong division because you flew up two divisions in successive seasons. How would that team have got on in the modern day, on the pitches that you're on, the protection that you'd get from referees? How would you guys have got on today? Question. Uh, Question, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Fitness-wise, th seeing the games now that I've seen in the uh, uh, Premier, League. Yeah, Premier League and the... Sorry. Thank you very much. In the Premier League and, and in the the other league, I don't I don't want to mention it, but they are, I think the fitness is so 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 much more. They look so much fitter. And yeah, the, the I, game is played so much faster. Well, that's the the, reason. I was just going to say the game yeah. is played faster. The pitches are so pristine. Yeah. The boots are so light. The yeah. balls go left and right. Yeah. And everything that's, has changed. That's why I think it's a bit of an odd question to answer. Whether you, at the same time, whether you think we, as players, could cope with the game today, not as a team, but as a player, individual. I mean, would I have been 
good enough to represent a side today? In I, I think I would. Not nobody's tackling me. I, I could have been the greatest player in the world. Uh, and I think Roger might be feel the same way. I mean, we didn't have to look at the passes coming to us. They don't have to look at people coming in with two feet in the air and aiming at your head and your body rather than the ball. Uh, so, and the pitches that they're playing on today, I think we would cope. But as a team, I think it, it, you, you've got to look at a, a bigger spectrum than just, would we have been able to play in today's game? Yes, I personally think I could, but it's so quick today. And I might be a little bit um, biased. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, they're not footballers. I'm, I'm not knocking the footballers today. Uh, I really mean that. There are some good footballers out there, but you haven't got to be a footballer today. You've got to be an athlete. As Ian was saying, you're, if you don't run up and down the field, you don't play. And I was never a one to run up and down the pitch. My, my, my goal was going forward. And uh, so I don't, I don't know whether I'd be able to play in the game today. They wouldn't accept me. I think um, I, I go to a lot of um, academy games and I see uh, my grandson play for Watford Academy. And I was at, uh, at Arsenal on um, Sunday and he plays under 13s. And when I walked out onto the pitch, uh, or walked across the pitch rather, um, the, the Arsenal side, I looked up at them, and they're under 13. And as Mark said, you know, are you getting talented players, or are you getting people that are strong, run hard, you know, very fit players, not technical players? And I think, you know, would, are there many technicians in the game now? Ray Wilkins, for instance, fantastic player. What would Ray be like playing at the level now with the game being so fast? I think you need somebody to slow the, the game down, um, you know, build it up and do things. They had two Arsenal boys. They had six Arsenal boys um, under the age of 12 playing in an under-13 game, which... You know, I know they could be 12, but they could be 14 yeah. as well. And seeing them play, they push it around. They do 25 passes before they have a shot. It was fantastic watching them play. And, and there's big centre forwards and a big centre half. They are enormous, absolutely enormous. Um, you know, it, but they've got good technique. And I think you do need to have technique. You know, but as Mark said, the game has changed so much. It's not all about technique. It it is about di being direct. You know, are you strong? Are you powerful? And yeah, quick. And which is instead of playing it around. I watched Reading last year, and you know, Reading had two midfield players, great little players, left-footed player, and oh, superb. And they played it, and they dominated. They dominated the game. And have we got people that are dominating the game in the um, the, the lower leagues? Every, every in our time, in my time, at any rate, every football club you went to had a genius. 
if not one, but two. You know, uh, you don't see that today. They're all, and I'm sure that, I mean, I'm not uh, a connoisseur at the game of boys, but I think Roger and Ian have had experience of academy and playing. But I'm sure that the scouts go out and watch these boys play and they see a kid that gets the ball and beats three people and uh, passes the ball and he gets recommended to one of the top teams. And the first thing that the coach says to them, I don't want you doing that. I want you to pass the ball. Yeah. And I'm sure that's what happened. That's the coaches today, in my opinion, must be um, changing the way the game is played now. I mean, you don't get your Paul Gascoigne's. You don't get your Glenodles. You don't get your Rodney Marshes or your or your Stan Bowles. You don't get them today. In my in my day, every team had one or two of them. You know, your Peter Dobins, your McGillroys and Greenoffs and uh, Johnny Giles. Every one of them had 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 a, a, a ball playing player. Jimmy Media might be going back too far for years, but Jimmy Media, um, you know, you just carry on going. You went to Burnley, and uh, Jimmy McElroy used to murder you. You know, I mean, it's just one player inside, but they were a good side, Burnley. Uh, but he was a genius with the ball. Albert Quicksort, Sheffield Wednesday, yeah. You know, I played against them all. I mean, we had a... Tony Curry. Tony Curry was yeah. a great player. Great player. Great player. Very good. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think that would have happened nowadays. If he'd have gone to a club at, at, as a youngster, they'd have knocked that right out of him, all that ability. We were, we'd rather you beat three people, but we'd rather you'd pass the ball. Well, I was, uh, when I was at West Ham, working at West Ham in the community department, um, we, we recommended kids to the academy and um, they were going to be seen by scouts and they normally get seen by scouts before they go to the academy. All the ones we kept recommending, they were turning down because they wanted someone different. They wanted something, someone that's a different player um, than being close with the ball and playing the ball. They want a, they want a guy can, who can run 100 yards very quickly. Yeah, and uh, run you know, back 100 and, yeah, yards. Yeah, and get back, you know. I mean, I, I went to Ajax to see Ajax kids train. It was absolutely fantastic. The kids, how they played, how they're regimental, what great players they are, they play in positions. It was fantastic watching them play. And we went back to our academy at uh, West Ham and told the, the academy, and they said, yeah, we would love to have it, but you've got to have that many kids to do it. And it, it, and it was also run by, uh, the academy was run by ex-players and people that were experienced. They, they've got that at Arsenal. Um, Freddie Longberg's doing it at, uh, he was there on Sunday at Arsenal. And, uh, you know, you've got ex-players doing that, feeding these kids but you know you know the game is changing and that's the difference sorry is that the quality in the coaching well well I don't know 
I don't know. I mean, having, having the right coaches at the academy will give the quality. I mean, Burkamp and people like that at Ajax, you know, there was a, a guy called, I don't know if you, do you remember a guy called Roy that played left wing? They, uh, Roy played for I, uh, yeah, he went to Knott's Forest. Brian Roy. Uh, yeah. Brian Roy. Brian Roy, Brian yeah, Roy. yeah. What a good player he was. Every, and then when we were, we were sitting at Ajax watching these kids play, and they were spits, you know, these, these kids that were playing wide on the left, well, they played exactly like Roy did. And how he, what he was told to do, they, they play in positions. They say to them, um, well, when we were, this is, this, bearing in mind this is about 15 years ago, um, they, they said, um, we put the kids in the positions, if they're a right back, they can play right midfield or a right, uh, or right half. They don't play any other position in the, in the game. They, the, the first team at that particular time are only buying a centre half or a centre forward. They wouldn't buy cultured players, players that had the skills, because they, they groomed these kids to do everything that people before them did. And it was, it was absolutely fantastic watching these kids train. It was a, a big eye-opener for us. Okay, incredibly, we've more than an hour has flown by. If anyone has got any questions for the guys, just raise your hands. Just wait for the Roman mic to reach. We've got a few hands up. At the moment, there we go. There's a the microphone the for you. Oh, yeah. There's the the roaming mic. <laughs> Two players you haven't mentioned is Peter Springett and oh. Keith Sanderson. Oh. And to me, uh, Peter Springett, he, oh, was, he, he saved you the league absolutely. up. Absolutely, wouldn't, wouldn't have done it. Like I was going to mention Peter, and I was going to mention that save he made. I mean, uh, and I think I've said it before to you, Paul, that Peter Springett made a save in the second half that would have seen us out of the League Cup final. Uh, yeah, great player. Um, Keith Sanderson doesn't get enough credit for what he done. I, I think he was the unsung hero. Absolutely. You're absolutely, I'm not going to argue with that on that point. He never Keith stopped running, did he? Never stopped running. Work also of the side. Uh, your comment on um, coaching, um, I find fascinating. Uh, in so much as the, the feedback I'm getting from you is that Alex Stock was a total man manager. I'm guessing that probably the most successful English coach of all time is Brian Clough. Do you see similarities between the two? Uh, you know, you, you, me personally, I can only talk as I find. Uh, I never worked for Brian Clough, so I, I've worked for a lot of managers. And uh, I don't know really what they're like to work with, uh, especially Brian Clough. I should think Brian Clough might have been a bit more arrogant and uh, a bit more, a bit more. I am in charge, and a bit more of uh, being a manager and on football. Alec was totally different. Alec was placid, <laughs> quiet. I can't see Brian Clough being <laughs> very quiet and very. Uh, yeah.
Yes, yeah, yeah. Well, I, uh, I, I know for a fact that uh, Alec never wasn't very good on football tactics. Uh, and I agree with him. I can't see people sitting around a, um, around a, uh, a board in a dressing room, and I've been there, and saying to you, right, we kick off, we do this, we do that, we do this and do that. When you get the ball, you pass it over to... It don't happen like that. All that blackboard stuff is a load of crap. I mean, if, the, if that situation doesn't happen, then how can you perform it? You know, I mean, I, I agree with when the ball is static, you can work on things in training. Free kicks, corners, and what have you, throw-ins. You can walk or, or you yeah. work on them static balls situations. But as regarding uh, planning a plan for how you're going to play and then what role you're going to do in it, uh, I don't uh, go along with that. And Alec was never one of them. Whereas I think uh, uh, Brian Clough, as I say, I've never worked for him, but I should think Brian Clough would be. Okay, a couple more questions. Just raise your hands. Obviously, it's 50 years since, uh, since the final where we won. On the weekend, they kept referring to it, obviously, where Southampton were 2-0 down, that no side's ever come back. At 2-2, was you sitting at home thinking, come on, United, get the winner? No. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I wasn't. No. Good on wasn't, Southampton. No. <laughs> In actual fact, I thought Southampton were very, very oh, unlucky. Wow. Fantastic. And deserve to win. You were, you were at the game, weren't you, Mark? Yeah, I was at the game. Yeah. Oh, um, they were no. fantastic, Southampton. I mean, I've, I think Manchester United all year haven't been that good. Um, they play in bits and uh, starts and uh, not very good. Um, but they, you, you, you watch them play and they're very pedestrian, I think. Whereas Southampton, I think, took the game play to it them, really well. Took the game to them. Yeah, took the game to them, yeah, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. Mark, can I ask you a question? Certainly. Uh, how disappointed was you when the BBC banned your record? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know they banned it. I think it was banned. Was it? Yeah. Oh. It was banned because you said bloody. Oh, I don't think so. Yeah. Did I say bloody? Yeah. I remember some of the words. QPR, QPR. Um... When we asked Mike, Mark to do a mic check earlier, he did a mic check by singing. He's got the most unbelievable voice. <laughs> yeah. Your time is now. <laughs> Sung at my wedding. Well, it, yeah. No, it was a QPR, QPR. You're the greatest, QPR. Now, there was... We came out with Mike the Master. And... Uh, Go on, you carry on from there. <laughs> <laughs> I know the whole. I know the whole team got you, mentioned. You might have a duet here. <laughs> the, the whole team got a mention. <laughs> yep, that's it. I think. I think we sold. I think we sold about five thousand records of that. All to QVR fans, mind you. <laughs> no. No. Okay, next question. I'm glad a uh, guy over there mentioned Keith Sanderson because he.
just to repeat, he's been so underrated and yes. forgotten yeah. by a lot of people. I don't think he's, I been, don't think he's been forgotten. I mean, he lives us. in South Africa, and I know it's been very difficult. I've been to a lot of um, do's at, uh, uh, which involves... I think he was um, living in Preston. He's living in Preston now. Is he, yeah. is he in Preston now? Yeah, he's living in Preston oh. now. And I just want to mention... I think, I, think, I think Andy's trying to get him down here for the game against Cardiff. Yeah, just before the end of the evening, we're going to have a chat with Andy Sinton regarding the Forever Rs and certain players where there are issues such as that, which Andy can expand on. But certainly yeah. Keith Sanderson seems to be a player that's held in very oh, high uh, regard. Yeah. And Ronnie Hunt. And Ronnie Hunt. Yeah. yeah. I know there's a lot of people who want to say, say, ask some more questions, but I just want to remind one player over the last 20 years, who never ran back. The most exciting player in the last 20 years was Adele Tarat. Fantastic <laughs> entertainment. <laughs> I wouldn't have said that, I'm afraid. Oh, the, the promotion season, he was out of this world. Out okay. of this world. Okay, we've just got time for a couple of more say, questions. Uh, we'll no, just no, say uh, a question. Rangers were banned from Europe. That, uh, after winning the 1967 League Cup, that's right, because you were a third division team, you weren't able to compete in the Interfairs yeah, Cup the following cut, season. Yeah. It set the FA a very big, difficult question, mm. didn't it? Mm. Yeah. And we'll just, we'll just have a question from here first. He's got the microphone, then we'll pass the question down to you, if that's all right. Um... Just want to ask you, um, the team of 66, which started was when Rangers beat Millwall 6-1 that day. I think we forget that the chairman, Jim Gregory, this club wouldn't be where it was if it wasn't for him. He put money into a third division club that no one else did. He bought Rodney Marsh. He, he brought in Les Allen, Jim Langley. And uh, I just felt that none of us had mentioned that this club wouldn't be where it is today if it wasn't for Jim Gregory. Here we are. What, what are your memories of Jim Gregory? It, it, they, it seems that people who have dealt with him always have stories to tell. Well, he was a wheeler dealer, wasn't he? Um, and if he, if, um, as I say, he used to take us out to mills, nice restaurants, uh, only at restaurants that he wanted to buy and we were <laughs> we were informed that when we before we had, we had to say to the manager or the there's a smell of pigs in here or something <laughs> like that because he wanted to buy the restaurant and there was a farm next door uh no he was one of the best and then he had his car business that we used to he used to give us a car or two to sell uh yeah he was a proper wheeler and dealer uh but one of us you know, he wasn't, he wasn't a director that um, was up in the air somewhere, you know, or looked down on yours. I just uh, patronised you a bit. No, he, he was one of us, Jim. Okay, and we'll just take a question just here from the front and then we'll go to Mike at the back. Oh, I'm on, I'm on. We're on air. Ian. Ian, you spoke earlier about when you and Roger were young guys, presumably apprentices at QPR, yeah. and you were laying in uh, the bedroom, yeah. probably your mother's and father's house, yep. and you were looking at photographs of established footballers yep. that you had on your bedroom wall. Yes, I did. 
honestly now, was one of those photographs of Mr. Lazarus here? <laughs> honestly, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I tell you, I, I tell you a little story. We play. I had. Bobby Charlton, I was a Manchester United supporter. I had Bobby Charlton, Dennis Law, Willie Morgan, all of the, all the top Manchester United players. And uh, we played at Old Trafford. And uh, when I ran out onto the pitch going at Old Trafford, it's just like, it's just phenomenal. And you go out and we play really well up until the last 15 minutes when we got absolutely stuffed. And we got beat 8-1 in the end, unfortunately. But it was 3-1 after, with about 15 minutes to go, then Bobby Keach came on. And, uh, <laughs> but that's not the... Th and as I, as I walked off, Dennis Law was my idol. And I went up to Dennis Law and I said to him, excuse me, Dennis, you couldn't sign my programme, could you? And he said, of course I will. I'll do that for you. I said, could you do it after the game? He said, yeah. So I went and saw him after the game, got it signed. And about 10, 15 years later, Roger and I worked with Dennis Laura uh, in a, a coaching programme. Uh, in, in, yeah, in, in Islington. And um, it was pouring with rain and we were sitting in the hut. And I just, I was looking at him with like this. <laughs> Because he was my, because he was my idol, and I said, "You won't remember me, Dennis, <laughs> but I did get your autograph." And he went, "Oh," and I, th I thought, him talking to me was enough for me because that was just brilliant. Because he was my idol, and and I think sometimes people don't respect when you get an autograph from a, a top top player like that, and you're a, you're a fan. It means so much to you. It meant to m so much to me. Great stuff. And just a, a question at the back. Well, first of all, I'd like to say thank you very much to you guys because you won the cup in March 67 and I was born in February 68. So thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> if you ain't won the cup, I wouldn't be here. I'd also like to ask you, now, they all go like with tactics and uh, they're all about uh, going straight at the back and uh, I know Brian Clough used to say about them, uh, sometimes he used to say to his players, right, go out and have a few drinks before the game, the night before, have a few drinks and relax and it'll, re it'll relax you. Did any of you guys have a few drinks the night before the game? I'm a non-drinker. I don't, I'm not, it's not because I'm a good boy, I just don't like the taste of it. That's any spirit and beer. If you see me with a glass of dark, it's a shandy. And that's a little drop of beer and a load, a load of lemonade. I just can't handle the taste. So it's not a for me. Nate, for me, never, never before a game. Never, ever went out drinking, never went out, never. Roger's not asking for the yeah. mic. <laughs> <laughs> no. He's going to say he's with me. <laughs> no, honestly, uh, not me. Um, have a drink when I get after a game. 
You go to a restaurant or something like that, but certainly not before a game. I was too in, 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 involved in the game and, you know, playing was the ultimate, not drinking. Okay, any more questions? We're just Mark. about out of time. Question at the back. Mark, um, the Carlisle game has not got much of a mention on the route to the final. Um, can you please explain how you ended up running down the wing with your shorts in your hand? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, once again, it's a, um, an on-the-spot moment. Uh, you know, things happen. I tore my shorts. And do you know this question is the most, apart from the winning guard at Wembley, people ask me this question more than any other question. Is, how did you come to run down the wing with no shorts on? And the, the answer is that my shorts that I was wearing got torn. And I was near the dugout on the right-hand side of the pitch, where I was. And uh, I took my shorts off and I threw them to Alex Farmer, who was in the dugout. And he threw me back a new pair of shorts. And whilst, I brought, whilst the shorts were in my hand, I was about to put them on and the ball came to me. So I forwent putting the shorts on and I've got the ball and I would just run down the line with it. And that was and that was a, a case of uh, playing the ball before anything else. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll take one final question then on the left-hand side. Guys, thank you very much for coming along this evening. I know it's, it's been an excellent evening. Um, I just wanted to, I wanted to ask um, Roger and Ian about um, the first game after Roger left the club because I don't know if it's... Yeah, yeah. so I'd, I'd love yeah. to hear that story about how that came about because you ended up... I think your first game was back at Rangers, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, yeah absolutely. And I, I missed the coach at Tottenham because uh, the players met um, at White Hart Lane and I was... I usually drove to QPR in the car and thinking <laughs> I'm at QPR, but I drove, started to drive... And I, I got a long way down the road and realised I had to be at Chesant, uh, at, uh, at not Chesant, at Tottenham, um, to pick up the coach. And I was the last one on the coach at Tottenham. So that was my first game. Uh, actually, I think the first game was Wolves at home. I played Wolves at home and then I, the next game was uh, QPR. But it was a fantastic experience and the crowd were unbelievable here. You know, they were. It was. It was because it's a. We said it's a family. It was always a family club. I mean, we used to take corners and everything, and talk to the people um, on the other side of the fence. And it was. It is, it's that. It was that good. And um, it was a place where, uh, you know, Tottenham. Everyone says you went to Tottenham. It was your dream. Yes, it was your dream. But you get injured. I mean, I got injured. It's difficult to come back again. You know, after. Uh, two injuries um, and be a force in the first team. And because they've got so many more first team players, they can play far more players at a time. Uh, not at the, at the same time, but at a time. They've got a lot to choose from. And then you go back in the reserves. And it, it, it does kick you a little bit. But then, you know, I had to retire because of uh, uh, knee damage. And, um, but I, I wouldn't have I wanted to miss it anyway. Oh, fantastic! Uh, brilliant. Uh, you know, yeah. I mean, we didn't, we didn't. Um, 
Get on. Get on. <laughs> <laughs> it was hard. I despised him because he rang me up and said the night before, do you mind if I sign? I said, no. But I said, I'm really pleased for you. And I said, when we play together, it'll be hard, but we just enjoy it. And that's what we did. And I think that because his career finished at 26, mine finished at 27, and then we said, would it have happened had we gone together to Tottenham? And who knows? You know, you don't know, but it's just one of those things. But what I had here was fantastic, and I wouldn't miss it for the world. For the people that I've met, for the supporters like yourselves, thank you ever so much, all of you, for coming down. It's yes. just phenomenal. Thank yeah. you. You know, thank you very much indeed. Appreciate it. Okay. Okay, we've just got the prize draw to come. Firstly, um, Ian, if I can ask you to draw a name from the hat. Have a good rummage round. Pick a name out of there. Thanks to everyone who's entered into the prize draw. As I say, all the money goes into the Forever R, so it's fantastic for the money that gets raised this evening. This is for a home shirt signed by the first team, and the winner is Steve Grover. Steve Grover, put your hand up. Fantastic. Thank you, Steve. So that's the home shirt signed by the QPR first team, and that's on its way down to you in a second, Steve. Um, next up, Roger, if I can ask you to draw, this is for the football signed by the first team. Uh, Keith Lewis. Keith Lewis, congratulations, Keith. A football to Keith. Just down on the right-hand side. Thanks, Dan. And finally, this is for two W12... It's not the Oscars, is it? <laughs> two W12 hospitality tickets to a home game of your choice for next season. Includes a three-course meal as well. Two hospitality tickets goes to... Ilmark Lazarus. Oh. <laughs> goes to John Ilsley. John Ilsley, congratulations to you, John. Okay, and just before we, the bar is going to reopen very shortly, but just before it does, I'll just ask Andy Sinton just to come on. We'll have a final word with you, Andy, if you'd like to come on. Round of applause for Andy Sinton. <laughs> well, just a, a quick word on the Forever Hours, Andy. Obviously, all four of you are inductees into the Forever Hours, sporting your very nice ties as well. Um, Firstly, what is the Forever Hours and why is it important to QPR? If I can answer that question by basically telling you what it's not, um, I think I've said a, a few times, the QPR Forever Hours club is not an elitist Hall of Fame, um, as many clubs do. We want it to be more inclusive. You know, it's not about the best players playing for the best teams in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, getting promoted a few years ago. You know, there's many players who've served this great football club of ours who've done well on the pitch, but have also done some fantastic work off the pitch, behind the scenes, certainly with Andy and his team in the, um, with the Community Trust. We pride ourselves on being a, a, a club in the community. You know, um, 
and without players going in and, and helping the schemes get off the ground, we wouldn't be where we are uh, today. So, so that's a little bit about it mm -hmm. uh, and what it actually is or what it actually isn't. Okay, and how was it first set up? Because I think people are always interested in who's inducted, who's not been inducted, why have certain people not been inducted? How was it first set up for us? Well, I think I said at the start, so QPR's probably had some criticism uh, over recent years that we haven't done enough for former players. Uh, certainly since I've come back, um, I don't think you can overplay the importance of it as a, as a former player myself. So there's a real energy and a real drive within the football club to, to welcome former players mm. back, like these guys tonight, you know. Well, you, you can see just by the fact that this event sold out yeah, and fantastic. how much the fans have enjoyed the opportunity yeah. to spend with so, Roger Ian and Mark. So we're trying to get back to that. You know, it's going to take a little bit of time, but it's, uh, it's hugely important. How it was set up, it's been talked about for quite a while. But when we were talking about it a couple of years ago when I first came back and it was put to me, we sat and we discussed what we wanted, how we wanted to operate. First of all, we felt it wasn't going to be any one person just sitting making a decision. So we, we set up a, a committee, if you like, or a steering group, which had every aspect of our uh, football club uh, represented, right from Lee Hughes at the top of the club. You know, he plays a very active role. Myself as a former player in the media team, Andy, Sarah in the, uh, the community trust. Julie does a fantastic job in the hospitality to make sure when we get these guys back, you know, they're really looked after uh, with their families. And I think they really, really appreciate that. Uh, but vitally and importantly, we wanted some fan representation. So um, we approached some fans and we're delighted that Martin, Chris... Tony and Gordon came on board because their input has been absolutely fantastic. We want it to go from strength to strength, and it is, and it will. I'm, I'm so proud to be part of it. I'm delighted to be a part of it, and, you know, uh, it can only get better. Great stuff. And just finally, big plans for Saturday, the 50th anniversary of this 1967 League Cup win. All the guys coming back. Oh, it's going to be a great day. First of all, could I just say, how good were these guys, by the way? Give them a clap. <laughs> you know, we probably could have been here till midnight asking questions. They were, they were absolutely brilliant, you know, and... Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I've lost my train of thought now. <laughs> <laughs> Regarding Saturday, it's going to be an unbelievable day, you know, 50 years. Uh, it's quite amazing how many people are in the audience that were attended the game. I think that's quite remarkable as well. And you'll have your, you'll have your special memories, and quite rightly so. But, you know, Saturday's going to be a, a really good day where we're going to really celebrate. You know, you've, you've seen the kit that uh, the club have, I think it's a genius of an idea, and the league have backed it for a one-off only appearance. So there's going to be lots of things happening and uh, in recognition of not just these three guys, but every single one of those guys that played their part. And uh, as I say, a, a momentous occasion in the history of this great football club. And Alex Dock and Jim Gregory will receive special awards as well, their family were. Well, it was great that a fan um, in the audience picked out, you know, Jim Gregory long before my time. But I know all about Jim. I know what he did for this football club. I know how he built it up from where it was. Alex Stock, the guys have said, I don't need to say anymore. Guy was a genius, you know, and what he did for the football club needs to be recognised, needs to be celebrated. So, uh, so yeah, those two will be 
honoured quite rightly in front of the fans and through various members of the family at half-time, amongst other things that are going to take place. Great stuff. Thanks very much, Andy. Thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry, Mark, just whispered in my ear. There's a, there's a few of the uh, guys that unfortunately won't be with us on uh, Saturday for, for various reasons. Now, we've, we've made contact. We have to respect their, their privacy of the certain phone calls. Some of them are really poorly. Some of them geographically, you know, Rodney, no one wants to see Rodney back here than me. You know, he's a, he's a legend of the football club, but he can't make the game through work commitments or something, so he'll be back. But uh, Mark just asked me to, to just mention a good friend of his, Les Allen. I spent a long time speaking to Les. <laughs> I spent a long time uh, speaking to Les over the last few weeks amongst other players. Les is not in good health. He can't make the game. Um, but we had a really nice conversation on Friday night where he really wanted to say thanks to his teammates and a real special thanks to the Queen's Park Rangers fans for the support he had when he played. So as I say, Mark just asked me to, to ask that, uh, mention that to you. And as I say, there's going to be some people sadly unable to be with us. Some people are sadly no longer with us to be here, but members of their family will represent those players. The likes of Jim Langley, what a player. My dad used to tell me all about me you now, what a player. Frank Sibley, the great Frank Sibley, he's going to be back in the house, he's going to be back in town. And I can't wait to see Frank. I played for him, you know, fantastic coach. So it's going to be a real celebration, one that you deserve and one that these guys deserve. Thank you very much. And just a word there on Andy, he's praised everyone else. Andy Sinton has done an incredible job with the Forever Hours and spends half his life on the phone. And I think you guys will vouch for the work that Andy's done as well. Just to let you know, the bar is now reopened. If you want to have a drink and have a chat with the guys, thanks very much for coming and a huge thanks. Put your hands together for Ian Morgan, Roger Morgan and Mark Lazarus.